Hey, 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 as we know, life is full of surprises, both good and bad, and the day-to-day journey is full of unforeseen obstacles, and sometimes it's hard for us to see our way through. Beyond the normal mundane or where unscripted dreams live, join us for thought-provoking discussions and interviews to help us navigate through the fog and create our own path. We are the Unscripted Dream Podcast, operating outside the margins to motivate and inspire our audience. So people, today we will be focusing on the topic of finance, especially for people that are in the beginning stages and are looking for some resourceful information that can help you along your beginner stage journey. We have a guest actually for you today, so it's definitely going to be more entertaining. I'm going to let our guest introduce himself. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. My name is Sari Ibrahim, and I'm looking forward to speaking to you guys today about financial tips, entrepreneurship, and some other investment strategies. Excellent. Excellent. Thanks, Sari. So let's, uh, like Joe was saying, just as we kind of get, get started here, really important to, I think, I think just a lot of people in general don't have financial education because it's not something that's taught in school. You usually have to, I mean, depend on where you're from, right? <laughs> but, but, but it's usually something that you don't, most people don't have access to. So we wanted to just take an opportunity to give someone who's maybe just getting started going down that road, some, just some financial, maybe just some tips that you might have for, for our listeners that you think would be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. A lot of people don't have access to like financial advisors, financial coaches. And then you're right. Absolutely. Schools don't, you know, really teach financial literacy that much. Uh, when I was in high school, I was only required to take one class. It was called consumer economics. And it was okay. kind of like a semi-business class, like how checks work, how to save these accounts, you know, mortgages work, interest. I think we need a little bit more, more than that at a younger age. But you're right. Absolutely. There's a, there's a big like delta between like what people know about education and there, and those who don't like, there's like, there's a big need for that big gap. And that's what I hope to, you know, like, like you guys hope to cover that gap through these podcasts, YouTube channels, other content out there. And, and of course, a lot of financial advisors, typically, like if, if you call a financial advisor right now, a lot of times, like one of the first questions will be, how much do you have in assets under management, you know? And, and for a lot of, especially like at banks, like if you don't have like 250,000 a minimum, I think, or 500,000 minimum, they'll tell you like, they can't really help you because they're, they're, that's kind of the thresholds they're following. So that I've kind of made it my life goal to get rid of those thresholds and work with really anybody who's serious about getting to their financial goals. And over the years, I've, I've come up as an entrepreneurship, I've come across some hardships, right? Financial hardships, just because of the hardships of entrepreneurship, right? So like one of the, one of them being credit card debt. So when I first started my first business, it was a full service insurance agency, agency slash Medicare agency. And obviously I couldn't get, get bank financing. I was still really young in that, in, as far as the business was no revenue, none of that. So I had to use credit cards. And then I got to like, I think it was like 50 or $60,000 in credit card debt. And then they were all 0% interest. And then the interest like a year later on these cards started to kick in. It was like $500 a month in interest only that was due. Wow. So, yeah. So it was a big, so it was a big realization that I had to really focus and get rid of this debt or, or at least control it before like I'm out of business and bankrupt, you know? And I felt like it would be kind of silly to file for bankruptcy because of like $40,000 in debt or $50,000 in debt. I figured, you know, I went into this business move with the intention and also the knowledge, knowing the risks here, right? So one of the first things I did was I put together a, a financial tracker and that is like, I do this every day, by the way. So every day it takes me about five minutes to do this every day. I log and I do it in the morning. So I log into all my accounts. I see like my checking savings, like other accounts that I have. And then I look at my credit card, any debt that I have. And I put in the current balance as of that day at that time. So every day I do this in, every day in the morning and I see the balance. And then what happens now is I visualize and see where I'm at, like debt wise and where I'm at cash flow. And then I also put in how much I made that day, how much I earned that day. 
and then the sum of that for the total month. So now it gives me like the truth behind what's going on in my financial yeah. life. And I see this a lot too with clients and like the financial situations. It's like they don't know what's really going on in the financial situations, right? They like guess how much money they have. So that's just one of the tips I do. I could talk a little bit more about it, but that's what I'm just to kind of close up on this question. One of the one of the things I do is I use a personal financial tracker to track my income, expenses, and current balances of that day. Excellent. The visualization too of that, just to see it, because me, I know back when I'm not proud of this, but but right. But I used to just look at, I used to know, like, I think some people, I think a lot of people might relate to this as well, is that, you know, you're in debt and you don't want to think about it. So you yeah. just look at, you're just looking at, let's just look at the bank balance. Let's look at the positive, right? But then you have this huge debt that's kind of on the other end that you kind of ignore. And I think the the fact that I don't do that anymore, but just being honest with yourself and upfront and being able, like you said, Siri, to have that visualization of where all the ledgers sit, I think can be extremely helpful in someone who's serious about moving their finances in the right direction. Yeah, yeah, Marcus, you're absolutely right. Yeah, and I had I went on another podcast one time, and the host asked me. He's like, "Well, wouldn't it be bad if every day you're looking at your debt and how you know how the, the problem every day?" And my response to that was, "I think so. I think that it could be discouraging. Like if every day you're looking at your debt and how little income you have, or whatever the case might be in your financial situation, if every day you're looking at that, yes, that could give you a negative mindset. However, I think that sometimes in life, like you need to face like the negativity to see the positivity. Like you need to really look at something like, all right, this is an actual problem. And if it's making me so mad and so like down that I need to do something about it, so be it. I'm going to implement the next steps I'm going to make are because of this negative situation. Like I'm going to take this, I'm going to, you know, call, get that raise, get another job, open their business, borrow, whatever it's going to do. Like it's going to fire you up to make decisions yeah. to, to solve this problem. And I think that's really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. So thanks for that. So sir, I guess we'll just one, one question. I know you have some more, more tips for us, but I guess just, I think just a lot of people, they need getting started, just kind of a small win, like a small win, just to start to kind of just create that kind of a track record of working in the right direction. Uh, is there a, just a simple, like an everyday step that someone can take action that you think would be helpful outside, maybe outside the one you already shared already, but just kind of get them going in the right direction every day, taking those steps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they could do the, for sure, the personal financial tracker. And then also mm -hmm. what I do is, so I, I've noticed too, that your money management, like your financial management is heavily connected to your time management. So if you can't control your time, you can't control and vice versa. If you're really good at controlling your time, you're really good at controlling money. They're very similar. And so by that rationale, if you want to get better with money, you want to get better with your time. And to get better with your time, you need to do things at a certain time in a certain place. So before, like a lot, like when I first started my business and even before that, like many young people, I wasn't good at managing my time. And I started to kind of, I started to, instead of just thinking of something that I have to do, like read a book or, you know, finish this course or whatever the case, something that required time to get done, instead of just doing it like randomly, like based off of your mood, based off of your memory, you do it within a finite period of time. So that means like, instead of me saying, I have this book I'm going to read, I'll just read it whenever. Um, I'll read it every day between 7.15 a.m. and 7.30 a.m. Exactly. So just between 7.15 a.m. and 7.30 a.m., I'm doing nothing but reading that book, for instance. So that way what happens is, is it does a couple of things. Number one, you visualize it now every day. That where, where are you gonna, What are you going to be doing at that point? And then number two is that it gives you small little things that you can add on to that, that compound over time. So if you read a book like 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day, you probably read like 100 books a year or something like that. It's like a very... Yeah compound. It's like a big thing. So within those, within those time periods every day, I, I added in something called a priority recap where I recap my priorities. I, I revisit them every day. It takes me like two minutes to do this every day. I just copy and paste from the previous day. 
And then what happens is, is that it keeps you on focus. So I, I write in the top priorities I have, like my business, and then specifically the major categories for that business, like new clients, podcasts, and a couple other things that are just very few, very simple. And what happens is, is that it programs your mind to stay focused, to stay on a topic because I'm a visionary and I, I could, I could literally come up with 10 different business ideas tomorrow and ruin my business from all those random yeah. business ideas. So I did this to, to stay on track. So that way I'm not sidetracked by any other ideas or shiny objects. And the same thing is true with like your money. You want to have financial goals and then stick to those financial goals and then revisit them every day. Excellent. Joe, did you have any, any questions? That was all. It's awesome, sir. Thank you. Yeah. I was expecting you to be very, you came with it today. <laughs> so I guess as far as, yeah, you, you provided a lot of good content, but I guess just to break it down a little bit, like for people that are really at the grassroots, like really at the beginning, could you like give us your definition of like, what's the difference between saving and investing for people? Yeah, absolutely. Good question. So saving is you're not taking, so I guess I'll go that way. Investing is where you are, your money's at risk, right? And you have the intention of growing it over time. And like, for example, a mutual fund, that's a form of investment in stocks. That's a form of investments in real estate. You are, your, your, your intention is to grow it over time, but also there's a chance that it can decrease in value. That's an investment. A saving doesn't have really a chance of going down. Like your savings account is probably not going to go down. There's a very high degree of certainty. It's nothing's going to happen with it. And it could also increase. I know right now with interest rates going up, some savings account interest rates are going up. Like I'm seeing them like 3%, 3.5%, which is okay. So your savings can go up, but it can go down. And then your investments, or you have the intention of, of having them significantly go up over time. Like you would hope that your investments could do like more than like a 10% rate of return or, or internal rate of return or year after year. And then there's, and then the third thing you could do with your money, because you mentioned two things, you could either invest your money, save your money, and there's a third one to spend your money. So really when you look, when you visualize it that way, like you, you get your paycheck, for example, or, or you get income from your business. Uh, as soon as you receive that income in your hand, there's only three things you could do with it. You could spend it, you could save it, or you could invest it. And then some of them are very self-explanatory. Like you save, like you, you allocate a certain percentage in your bank account or savings account or something like that. Where it gets a little bit tricky is sometimes you could invest and sometimes that could also be considered an investment. Or if you spend, that could also be considered an investment. Like if you buy, like for example, personal development courses, or you hire a coach or a mentor, or you go to a, a sales conference or a business conference, you're spending money, but also that could be kind of seen as an investment as well, because right. your hope is to take that money and turn that money into more money later on. Awesome. That's right. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I, I got one more for you before I fall back a little bit. So just going off of you providing like how to budget, you know, with the whole idea of like budgeting your time has everything to do with, you know, budgeting your money and actually making more money too. So I guess in the sense of that, like, do you, do do you have anything against like electronics as far as like, say you go on like your Google store or you go on your Apple store and you download like a budgeting application? Like, do you find those to be helpful? Have you known people to actually use those type of things? Cause I know people are like really glued to their phones. Mm -hmm. Like, is there any purpose in that from your experience or anything secondhand you might know? Yeah, so I do know that for sure. Like I would say that technology can always help. I personally don't use any software. The only thing I use is just a tracker, like an Excel tracker that I just put together myself. I do recommend technology though. I'm just not a really big fan. I also use Rocket Money. It's okay. Like it just sinks in with your bank account. And it's good because it kind of tracks certain things. Like 
it would be like, oh, hey, your electric bill was $10 more than last month. And that's, I guess, small things like that are okay. And I recommend them. There's also a couple other platforms like YNAB, you need a budget. That's pretty good. I think it's like $100 a year. And a couple other ones. I know Mint, which is owned by Turbo, it's the same company as TurboTax. They also have a budgeting platform. Then you could also like sync it with like QuickBooks and, and TurboTax and connect everything together. So there's a lot of platforms out there. I would say like my advice is don't get too caught up on software and like what's the best one to use. Like first get the basics down, like just the ability to see your accounts all in one place. And then after that, you could look, look into, I would recommend looking into other platform software, connecting them together. You're like you're automating certain things, but don't really get, cause it's not about the software. It's more about the concept of it. Like you're, the, the point here is tracking your money and knowing where your money's going and then having, and then like, there's something called mental accounting. Mental accounting is like, somebody asks you like, how much money do you make? Oh, I make 5,000 a month minus taxes, minus my bills, whatever. I'm left with a thousand. A lot of people do this on a regular basis in their own minds, but the numbers are usually way off. Like the difference between what you're thinking about numbers wise and your actual situation is very different. And the same is true with time. Like if you ask somebody like how many, how much time do you sleep? They'll be like, oh, I sleep like six hours a night and I work 50 hours a day and I spend about, you know, an hour on the way to work. And back, usually those numbers are way off too, on average for a lot of people. They're either really under or really over in certain areas. So when you, you all know the truth unless you track them and actually know what the numbers are. Great. Great. So, Sir, so just want to shift a bit just because you mentioned early on just the hardships of entrepreneurship, right? And we're all, I mean, we're all entrepreneurs and we know it's rough. <laughs> it's rough, right? So especially when you're getting started. So I guess what, what advice do you have for entrepreneurs that you think will just be just helpful for them to understand and really help them grow and just develop their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. So I'd say like, I used to think it was 80%, but now it's more like 95%, maybe a little bit more than that is it's a, it's a psychology game. Like it's a game within yourself, right? Like you and controlling your mindset and your state of mind and your emotions is about 95% of entrepreneurship. So what that means is like, you, you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows and it's about you controlling them. Cause like when you have, for example, when you're working at, like for an employer and you have a steady paycheck and you get like, for example, bi-weekly check, the income isn't going to really change your mood and you could, because it's pretty fixed, it's pretty standard. Even when you, when you have like salary plus commission for a lot of jobs, um, then I'm not to generalize because there's a lot of different types of jobs out there, but it's going to be pretty similar. Like it'll be 50K one year, 60K another year. Like it's a pretty, you know, but entrepreneurship could be like $0 in one year or like $5 million in a year, you know? So the, the very, the, that, those big jumps will impact you psychologically, those, you know, those big jumps. So you need to figure out a way to keep things steady. And then you do so through tracking, like as mentioned, tracking your money, tracking your time, tracking your priorities as well. And then coming up with like habits that are always the same. Like even if you look at, for example, like you're going to franchise like a McDonald's, for instance, or some sort of other franchise, like the number one thing you learn is this is our system. You know, this is you know how much salt we add. This is the type of bread we use. This is the amount of oil for fry, whatever the case is. It's like everything is like very specific because it's a system that works. And the franchisee or whatever the case might be is not going to want you to change things up. They're not going to want you to like reinvent the wheel. They, they, already invent, they already invented it and they have a precise system. And then you want to do the same thing in your own business. Like you want to come up with like your own systems, your own recipes, your own, your own greens. And like not just food business. I'm talking about like in a regular, like if you're an advertising agency or an accounting yeah. firm or whatever the case is, like you want your own like recipes for how you do certain things. Like step one, step two throughout the whole day, even if you have to improvise, even if you have to like change things up throughout the day. You want to figure out a way to like standardize things and keep things, keep things predictable so that we know the answer to it as they come up. And 
documentation. Like documentation is a really big deal. It doesn't have to be perfect, but you have to know where, where certain things goes for you and your team. So like where, where do the like if then situations go? Like if this happens, then what? That, that's a, you have a, a file for that. Your financials, like you have a file for that, like the, the, the personal financial tracker I mentioned earlier. That, but with the business obviously is going to be a little bit more complex because of cash flow, because sales taxes, because of other, other taxes you have to pay. Give a little bit tricky. I would de- definitely recommend software in that situation. And then, of course, like differentiating like your goals from your business goals because they're going to be different. Like your business is a different entity from you, and then different also from your from your from your employees or from your team or from partners. Everybody's going to have their own goals. So, like getting very clear on yeah. everyone's goals makes a big difference in business as well. Yeah, and I agree with that because just working with people, you realize that. Some people don't, not to be negative, but some people, they don't care as much as you do, especially if it's not your, like, if it's not their business. So you have to, you kind of have to see like what motivates them mm-hmm. and maybe figure out a different way to get that buying in from people that you work with. Because like you said, like their, their priority is the priorities aren't always the same and their goals aren't always the same, but it doesn't mean those individuals can't be key contributors. It just, their success looks a little bit different from yours. And that's a, that's a lesson learned along those, along the way. But yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like they don't have to like, exactly. Like if your goal is to create a company that's going to last for the next hundred years and one of your employees just wants to work with you for the next couple of years, two or three years until they find something else, that's completely fine to do that. Like you, a lot of employers would take that personally. Like we don't have the same vision. We don't have the same goals. Like I think that, that that's fine. Like those, like it's, it could be congruent. It can go together. If you know about yeah. the goals, they know your goals. Like they could still match within certain areas. Yeah. And I say just to add a bit on top of that is that I'd rather work with someone who's an A plus player for one year than work with a D minus player that doesn't want to, that wants to work with me for five, 10, 10 years. Cause that person that's at that top tier level, they'll elevate you yeah. to the next level. That, that DF player, they sticking around for the check and your business is not accelerating like it, it could. So it's just a different way to look at things. You know, we all play different roles with different people, different businesses. So yeah, that's great. Siri, thank you. Exactly. Um, again. So. Joe, did you have anything before I no, we can go off the, the next, Yeah, we can <laughs> go, go off the, the next yeah. All right. So, Sarah, I know you wanted to just share some financial strategies. So this is definitely time to jump into that. And we're yeah. all ears. Yeah. So one of the strategies, one of our primary strategies that we help clients with is called the infinite, you know, infinite, it's known as infinite banking or like the bank on yourself strategy. A lot of real estate investors know it as infinite banking. And it's one of our primary strategies that we help clients with at our firm. And it's essentially what it is. It's a way for you to become your own source of financing for you to take back control and, and not have to rely on banks. Because if you notice, like when, whenever you start a business or you're a real estate investor and you're getting bank financing, like it's, it's, not, it's not as easy as it sounds. It's a, it's a very strict process. It's a very time-consuming process. It could take like two or three months in some situations. For, a business, for businesses without real estate, it could even take longer than that because there's a lot of risk for the banks, of course. But one of the ways of you speeding up that process and, and saving time is for you to become your own source of financing. So what this means is you create your own method, your own method of financing. In a, in a very simple term, that's what ancient banking is. And that's one of the strategies we help clients with. So we help them become their own sources of financing. Excellent. Excellent. And I know there's a, like a ton that you do, sir. I've watched like a few of your podcasts yeah. as well. I want to, I'm going to plug your podcast. And I, I was. I was listening to a series podcast as I'm thinking, thinking like a bank and these, I mean, you're, you're interviewing like experts, leaders in their, in their, those, those individual pockets. And even was it this, this week or last week, 
you show you had a venture capitalist. I mean, it seems like that person, they did quite a bit of information in theirs. I think, you know, there's just, I think what makes your podcast so good is that, is that there's a ton of information there. And as you're mentioning the, just the infinite banking is that we kind of have this, most people I think have a relationship with money that is, it's the, the standard way that we're kind of presented. But then there's these other, these other routes and these other ways in which you can leverage different systems that will produce different results, but it's having that exposure and having the ability to access the information in the people who actually have the information. And I think that's the, that's the difficult thing is really just finding how to act and then not only access the information, but access the right people too. Cause there's a lot of people out there that they say they're somebody, right. But when you talk to them, they don't know what they're talking about or they're giving you bad information. So that's so why I think it's great for one. I just want to acknowledge that and just the value that's there in your, your podcast there on top of everything else that you're doing. Cause you are the, because you're the, the CEO of your own business, right? And that's uh, financial asset protection. How long has, have you been in business for? I've been in business since 2015. So almost okay. uh, eight years now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And Joe, did you, did you have any, anything? <laughs> yeah, I guess I give you a sidebar question again. So my other question, man, as far as like retirement and, you know, people that lack the financial literacy here, I guess if you can give us an idea, you don't have to necessarily have to give us exact numbers, but a ballpark range. And this is not including people that are working that have a 401k or a 403 plan or whatnot. But ideally, with your earnings from an employer or whether you're self-employed, whatever, how much should they probably save if they're on that road to retirement? Yeah, good question. So it would be it would depend on a couple of factors. So like number one, it would depend on what they mean by retirement. Because for some people, it could mean like completely like leaving their job or their business and then just having passive income and literally not doing any work at all. And then for other people, it could be like transitioning to like a part-time role but their income still increases or is, is what it is right now. And then for other people, it, it could be like they're still consulting, still kind of working, maybe some part-time job. They're still kind of busy in retirement, but they've just, they've just retired from their current role. So that's the first step. I would get really clear on what they mean by retirement, like what is, what's important for them. And then after that, I would want to know like how much they'd, like, they'd want in retirement, how much income they'd want. And there's many different ways of like tracking this. Some people say like, or some people would recommend like 50% of your current income. Some people say 75%, some people say 100%. And then you'd also, then after that, you then you'd have to account for inflation, right? Because if somebody's going to retire in like five years, then you can see, all right, well, I make a hundred thousand now, I would have, I'll be fine with 50,000 in retirement. But then if somebody makes a hundred thousand now and they're going to retire in 30 years and they're fine with 50% of retirement, then they would have to figure out a way to make a hundred thousand dollars a year in retirement because of inflation. So the, the time periods also, and then what are they currently doing for their retirement? So like you want to know if they have any current 401k plans, IRAs, 403bs. If they don't have any of those things, then you want to look at like their business and then also look at their businesses. Is their business, are they able to like retire off their business? Like just give their business to like a family member and then keep earning passive income from it? Or will they have to sell it? Is their business even sellable? Because not all businesses are sellable. If the business is sellable, then that could be a retirement source. In retirement, they could turn it into like an installment sale where they sell the business and their business that the new owner pays the former owner like a like a mortgage owner. So they like they finance it through them. Or even an annuity, then you can like annuitize your business so that way the new owner pays the former owner 
like a, like a, almost like a pension, like a monthly income for the rest of their life. So then you would want to identify all those things to think of like how the business owner could retire. And then as far as like how percentage they should allocate, again, it all depends on what I just mentioned. I would say like a general saving tip, maybe like if I, if I were to just generalize, I would say like 10% of your income, your gross income would be like a good number to save, whether it's for retirement, whether it's for really anything. So you can just like save 10% of your income. I think that's a, that's a good start there and that'll open the doors for other things you want to do. All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Just want to, before, before we jump off of here, just want to see, is there anything else that you want to share any information about your business, how people can reach you if they're interested? Yeah, definitely. So the best way that listeners can reach out to us is thinkinglikeabank.com. It's thinkinglikeabank.com. You can go to that website. You can check on our podcast, YouTube channel. You, you can email me. You could schedule a time to speak to me, a free consultation. All that could be found at thinkinglikeabank.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I just want to thank you again, Sarah, for yes, thank taking you. the time to come out. I'm sure our audience, our listeners would definitely <laughs> thank you. be grateful for the information that you share with us today. Thank uh, you very much, guys, for having me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Right. Wait, thanks for listening. Take care. Be safe. Thanks.